0: Support for this podcast and the following message come from Georgetown School of Continuing Studies, offering online degrees designed to fit your schedule. All hours, all Georgetown. Learn more at scs.georgetown.edu.
1: Welcome to Pop Culture Happy Hour, I'm Linda Holmes. It's 2 p.m. Eastern on Saturday, May 19th. The deed is done, the wedding has been wedded, Prince Harry has married the American actress, Meghan Markle, and it turned out to be a pretty interesting royal wedding, as royal weddings go. For one thing, it created the long-awaited bond between the royal family and the Hallmark Channel. But for another, it made for quite a morning of stirring speeches and ladies' hats. And we've got some of our friends with us to talk about it. So come right back.
0: Support for NPR and the following message come from Netflix's Contodo. Presenting Brown Love, a new podcast that aims to bring together the best and brightest of Latino Hollywood to get real about the industry and all the things Latinx communities are talking about on your timeline. Each week, the show features a roundtable of Latino actors, including Diane Guerrero from Orange is the New Black and Jessica Marie Garcia from On My Block. New episodes of Brown Love drop every Tuesday. Subscribe now where you listen to podcasts.
1: Welcome back. Stephen Thompson and Glenn Weldon stepped away this week so that I could chat about the wedding with two of my favorite ladies' hat enthusiasts. First up is NPR Weekend Edition editor, Barry Hardiman. Hi, Barry. Hi. And it wouldn't be a fancy fashion party without Ms. Margaret Willison joining us from the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. Hi, Margaret. Hi, Linda. I'm so glad that you ladies could be with me on a Saturday, me take, too. taking a special moment to talk about this very special occasion. Barry, tell me how you feel uh, about royal weddings generally. What's your what's your default position? Well, I'm I'm all in on royal weddings. Just you know, I'll take almost any
0: royal wedding. I w- I remember well waking up in the early hours of the morning for Princess Diana's wedding, for the Duchess of Cambridge and the Duke of Cambridge's wedding. I um, that's
1: Will-, Will and Kate for those of you who don't know your titles. Oh, great. <laughs> I'm glad we're going to be able to do this casual American style, cause uh-huh, casual American style. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I, you know, so I and and you know,
0: I'm I think people know a noted expert on the Plantagenets as they move into Tudors. So I mean, this is really a uh, this is this is my jam.
1: Yeah, and how did you like this one? I I can barely say so
0: I. So this is one of these times where I tuned in for the frippery, but what I got was a message of love and inclusivity for the world. So yeah. it's it was sort of one of these things where I was like, let's do this nonsense, and then I came out sobbing, feeling changed.
2: Yeah, how about you, Margaret? What'd you think? I thought it was remarkable. Everyone talks about this wedding. The phrase that comes up in every piece I've seen written about it, including mine, is biracial American divorcee, right? Which is emphasizing the way that Meghan Markle is unusual bride for Prince Harry. But by the same note, she's a very usual bride for Prince Harry in that she's a beautiful, wealthy cosmopolitan woman with impeccable media training. I mean, she is an exquisite acquisition for the firm. (laughs) and (laughs) That is true. (laughs) Going into this wedding, uh, there was this open debate in me that I don't know that I was even entirely aware of, which is, is she going to change this institution, or is this institution going to change her? Right? Which is going to be the top line quality brought forth. All these things that make her such for lack of a better word, revolutionary choice, or all these ways, she's a perfect conservative Mm -hmm. choice. And this ceremony was like a trumpeting of She is going to do this her way. She is going to foreground the aspects of her life and her quality and her values that she finds important and find a way to bring them into the firm rather than muting them, which she could easily do, and just playing the gorgeous media-trained woman. Obviously, that's going to be a big Mm -hmm. part of her role. Princesses are not known for, or excuse me, Duchesses. Duchesses, uh (laughs) uh-huh. Are not known for their revolutionary opinions, but this was such an elegant threading of the needle and so beautifully done that I was just floored. I agree with
1: everything you just said, and I don't see it as only those qualities in her being brought forward, but I also think this wedding persuaded me that her partnership with Harry, Mm -hmm. there's a a very good interview with him actually from Newsweek Mm -hmm. a year or two ago where he talked about struggles with depression after his mother died and he really struggled with wanting to remove some of the stigma around mental illness. Mm -hmm. They talked about changing the shape of their charity work so that instead of being affiliated with thousands of charities, which they don't do very much with, but Mm -hmm. they kind of lend their name to, which is certainly one way to, to be of value, he wants to be affiliated with a smaller number of charities for which he actually does work. And so I think it's not just her, although it is her, it's also that he seems to have found a good partner to participate in the things that I see as legacies of his mother. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting
0: because obviously I felt I personally, you know, I'm all in with Megan and I like for a million reasons and one of the big ones being fashion. But I also, you know, this this storyline for for him is, I think, really kind of beautiful because I, you know, this is a little boy that we've watched grow up and I, you know, I can still see the little letter that he put on the grave that said, Mm "Mummy," which I I mean, I could I I have looked at many, many pictures of Diana holding a baby Harry today and Mm -hmm. I am really really emotional about it but I also partly you know this felt so much like Diana's wedding too you know a wedding in which the royal family was nudged beautifully and joyfully into the future where you saw that this couple was going to have a life of their own because Mm -hmm. they had obviously Mm -hmm. made so many choices of their own it felt to me just so you know such a beautiful tribute to her as much as a tribute to you know all of these other sort of you know issues of inclusivity and um, social justice and yeah. all of the other things that we heard yeah. preached
1: on.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Can I say that as someone who was raised in an Episcopalian church, and honestly a pretty progressive one, right. I was still astonished at the quality of the address that the most reverend Michael Curry gave at the wedding absolutely knocked my socks off. I had no idea the Episcopalian Church had that in them. (laughs) (laughs) At like 11, I was jaded out of the church because I found out that it existed basically because Henry VIII wanted to get a divorce from his first wife and the Catholic Church wouldn't let him. This had me feeling attached to my faith in a way pretty much nothing else has since we started accepting same-sex marriage.
1: Yeah. And I think Curry, who they spoke about, you know, a a little bit during the ceremony and the commentary and everything. But if you read some of his background, you know, the bishop, the bishop has a long history Mm -hmm. uh, of activism, particularly around defending gay marriage and defending Mm -hmm. the right of the church to recognize that against, you know, discipline from outside. And it's not a surprise academically, but when you actually see a room full of mostly, mostly stiff white British people, (laughs) numerically speaking, (laughs) reacting to him... There was a lovely exchange about this right at the end of the BBC America coverage where Meredith Vieira was kind of saying, this isn't that unusual for for churches. She didn't say black churches, but right, I think that's right. what she, she meant. Mm-hmm. This isn't mm-hmm. that unusual in a black church in the United States. And the, the British commentators were saying, well, we don't really see it here very much. And so <laughs> those people being surprised by what he was doing, there was a kind of smile that was going around that some people read as sort of almost a little bit smug or smirky. I read mm-hmm. it as people like, like Kate and some mm-hmm. other people thinking like, holy moly, this is going to be interesting <laughs> to see how people take this. And I thought that was great. I and, did and, too. and what he had to say had such substance.
2: Dr. King was right. We must discover love. The redemptive power of love. And when we do that, we will make of this old world a new world.
0: So, uh, our our host Lulu Garcia Navarro just spoke with him. It was just as delightful as you might imagine. (laughs) Lulu, quite, you know, said it was it took, uh, you know, guts to stand up there and talk about, you know, amongst other things, social justice, the slave trade. Uh, sexual union, all of these things, you know, within the British aristocracy and the heart of empire, you know, mm-hmm. I yeah. mean, it was really mm-hmm. he said, well, you know, I, I it, it didn't really take guts. He said, I took my I took my cue from the royal couple because they had chosen, you know, the eighth chapter of the Song of Songs, which is um, and while obviously the Song of Songs is about, you know, a love for a man and a woman, it is also in this is the point at which the woman, you know, compares the love that they have for each other uh, um, with the love for God. That was Dr. King King's, Martin Luther King's cue. And that's how he got there. And he thought, well, this is the moment at which I can preach on a, on a new world. Mm-hmm. And so, first of all, I loved that, that he gave... Some of the inspiration came from the couple themselves, which mm-hmm. I, I love. And then he also... For him, it was so he said, you know, he said it was so natural for him because he has been working his whole life on, you know, issues of not just gay marriage, but he's worked a long time in the inner city on issues of poverty. And so, you know, for him, it was uh, this is exactly What a Mm -hmm. wedding is for is love is is, as he said, is the way that we can celebrate each other. Yeah. You know, another thing that I thought was so, so lovely that he said is that and this speaks to your, you know, because I know there have been some comments about raised eyebrows. And he, you know, he said, I felt there were moments of the kind of silence where there, you know, there is room and space and God is at work.
1: Mm -hmm. And
0: I know, (laughs) I know. (laughs)
1: And, you know,
0: and I thought he said this was a room of good people hoping for a better world. And you know what? We were all in that room.
1: Yeah. And I I will say this is a little bit more of a of a backstage glimpse than we usually offer. But we did not only speak to white women about (laughs) potentially talking about this wedding. But I think one of the reasons why a lot of the people I know who have had a lot of fun with royal weddings in the past are white women is that two things. First of all, I think there are people who have considered a royal wedding a very unlikely place for a welcoming atmosphere regarding race. Second of all, I think some black women who are interested in royal weddings, that is something that they enjoy sort of perhaps with other black women mm-hmm. more than in exactly the same you know way and right. spaces with me. Right. I'm delighted by the fact that the black women that I follow on Twitter and that I read as a devoted reader mm-hmm. have had so many things to say today about You know, often sort of partly uh, laughing at kind of the what they have been talking about is like the blackness of this Mm -hmm. wedding Mm -hmm. and how interesting it feels to them to see that at a royal wedding where perhaps they weren't anticipating it there was this other sort of tiny
0: moment that spoke to both her blackness and her feminism and I, I hope that people clocked which is that the, this amazing marvelous 19 year old cellist uh, exactly oh Sheku <laughs> Canu Mason who performed Foray and Ave Maria but the first piece that he performed which I didn't recognize at first is the Sicilian and it's by uh, Maria Teresa von Paradis who is this very little known contemporary of Mozart composing in Vienna around the same time but is just almost not Known by her male peers. So that the combination of that choice mm-hmm. and this amazing young black cellist playing it, I just, I, yeah. Yeah, the internet's
2: new boyfriend. Yeah. Yes, the uh-huh. internet's
0: new boyfriend playing that piece was just, was to me almost as moving as the black choir singing Stand By Me at Which I Died.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is one of the two insights by black women I wanted to bring forward, which is that. Aminatuso, who is the co-host of the podcast Call yes. Your Girlfriend, has been referring to the Kingdom Choir as the Royal Wakandan Choir. <laughs> <laughs> and I love it. That's just canonically correct. Amina, too, wonderful job. <laughs> and then Robin Gavans in the Washington Post on Meghan Markle's dress is just exquisite writing. And on the fashions of the wedding overall, And the way the clothing spoke to the mix of cultures that this union represents is just terrific writing, and I recommend everyone read it. Agreed. It was really interesting
1: to watch this wedding as somebody who was at the Will and Kate wedding Mm -hmm. uh, in the street with the British (laughs) people in 2011, because NPR sent me over there and... Uh, I hung out with some just very nice British ladies who gave me like grapes and potato chips and stuff while we all (laughs) waited for Uh the carriages to come by. And there was such enormous warmth toward those boys, as they always call Mm -hmm. them, the boys. Um, And I think even though there are deeply mixed feelings about the monarchy, there are people for whom whatever they feel about the monarchy, they feel very protective, in a way, of Harry and William. And Mm -hmm. I think that what they've been is much less uh, generous in feeling toward Charles, right? Mm -hmm. One of the things I really liked was seeing, you know, Prince Charles, as Barry mentioned, called upon to participate in the ceremony in this very significant way. Meghan Markle's father apparently was going to walk her down the aisle, and then he wasn't. And it's not entirely clear what all the pieces of that story are. But her father was not there and it fairly late in the game, apparently, they came up with this plan that that Prince Charles would walk with her, which I think it's so weird to find yourself sympathizing yeah. with royalty. And especially Charles. Mm-hmm. And yet, you know, right. when I talked about this on Twitter a while ago, there were a couple of people who said, you know, I think Charles has actually done fairly well with those boys, maybe mm-hmm. better than he's been given credit for as they've continued to grow. As I said in the piece that I wrote today, I empathize with people's sympathy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I I feel for people whose reaction to that is mm-hmm. to say, hey, that's a family. That's still a family. Yeah. They've still got a really complex story. These are mm-hmm. still guys who lost their mother very young and very publicly and, mm-hmm. and all Under the stuff. worst circumstances. Under the worst circumstances. And yeah.
0: And I've read, too, that the relationship between the boys and Prince Charles is really close. And I think anybody watching today would have to... You know, recognize the real warmth there. I mean, when he walked uh, Meghan Markle's mother Mm -hmm. to to the Mm -hmm. register to sign, when he put his hand out, I just—I mean, I just got chills again.
1: I died. I make no apologies for for finding it sweet to watch a wedding. Oh, and you even know, if they are absurd, wealthy people in an institution that probably shouldn't exist, that I think those boys <laughs> think probably should or, or should exist in a heavily altered form, and I think will exist in a heavily yes. altered form. Yes, you know what I mean. Maybe because of this wedding, to a certain extent, well, you know, y- because of Harry and Meghan,
0: you have to imagine that this institution is going to significantly change. Yeah. I didn't believe it until today.
2: Honestly, I see I see the value in having that divided state, having one wing that's just ceremony and one wing that gets to be more mm-hmm. business. Because I feel like with American politics, we task our political figures with the responsibility of being mm-hmm. both. That's a very good point. And being both makes it harder to be either. Yeah. <laughs> So in some ways, like I envy the British split where you have these useless figures who are just there to tell you a beautiful story about who you imagine yourselves to be and do pretty much nothing else. And then you have like grimy fingered <laughs> politicians yeah. writing long, powerful bills and yeah. <laughs> And here, you know, we have this tension where, you know, we want a Kennedy dynasty. But part of the charm of a Kennedy dynasty is the seamy side of it, right? Is the affairs, is the love stories, is the drama. But when you mix that Mm -hmm. with politics, it gets so much grosser. Icky, right. Yeah. And, you know, I have to say, too, and
0: I think that's such a good point, Margaret, is that, you know, we we have to remember that politically, Brexit tore britain apart i mean they have had at least as divisive a couple of years
1: in britain as we have here i think margaret is right that there's something to be said if you could make it a less a less money gobbling institution Mm -hmm. i think there's something to be said for a ceremonial wing of your government perhaps one that is a little smaller
2: (laughs) is this a moment where we can just check in about which dresses we thought were
1: best
0: Yes, it's a, it is. It is. Yes. Oh,
1: my. So, yes. So I do want to, uh, uh, let me give a shout first to Margaret's favorite dress uh, on on the, uh, as we say, catwalk, was actually Janina Gavankar, who is an actress who knows Meghan Markle and also a listener to this show. Hello, Janina. Ooh! And uh, Janina, you looked so good. <laughs> absolutely. Also, Priyanka Chopra was oh. one of my favorites. Serena Williams is yeah. one of my mm. favorites. Her stand-up yeah. fascinator. It was greatest. <laughs> and the length of the of the. Braids, yeah, oh, absolutely. Oh, oh beautiful, yeah. Any
2: other favorites that you want to call out, Margaret? I loved Gina Torres's dress, yes, and Abigail Spencer. Mm-hmm. She looked just exquisite. I feel like I want to see some great fashion writing on how these, you know, megan Markle is from a USA TV show, that's her most prominent acting role, mm-hmm. yeah, and so that means that all of these actors who are of a class that is like not a list, right. Yeah are there at the wedding and they're making these huge fashion statements. And I thought that they just looked stunning. Yeah. And I feel like there's going to be some really, really interesting writing to be done yeah. about the kind of star crafting that goes into a moment like that.
1: Well, yeah. And there's, all, there were also some That's people such a good point. like, yeah. it doesn't feel like it's just the most famous people in the world. Like on one hand it was right. Oprah and George and Amal Clooney and mm-hmm. all that stuff. Right. But it's also people like, you're like, well why Tom Hardy like you can imagine lots of actors it could have been instead of Tom <laughs> sure. Hardy but for some reason it is Tom Hardy and, and he cool. wore that beautiful top lip like that's great and the thing is like why was it James Corden like <laughs> I guess somebody knows James Corden I mean why was it uh, Carrie Mulligan <laughs> yes no I loved I actually you're,
0: that's such a good point it actually meant that it felt even more inclusive Yeah. Know, somehow that right. you had because you did have this I mean B-list with so much love yeah uh, this sort of B-list level of
1: celebrity mixing with the Elton Johns well and it whatnot. means it's just not the world's most famous people, which I think yes, is refreshing, it was, right. because it was a wedding. I Just mean, like you, the why ones would, we've had. Right, why yeah. would you not want it right. to be like these? There was somebody yeah. on Twitter. These who are, are my was friends. Like, yeah, there was somebody on Twitter who was like, "Ah, uh, these women all look beautiful, but why do they get to go?" And I was like, "Because they know her." <laughs> oh, so good. Loved. I'm so glad that you two uh, ladies could be with me to talk about the royal wedding. We had such a good time. And that brings us to the end of our show. You can find all of us on Twitter. You can find Barry at B. Hardyman. You can find Margaret at Mrs. Friday Next. Thank you so much, you guys, for being here on this Saturday. Thank you for having me. You are so welcome. And of course, thank you for listening. We will be back here on Friday talking about Solo, a Star Wars story. If you have a minute and you're so inclined, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts. that will help other people find the show. We will see you back here on Friday. On Bullseye, I talk with people who make amazing work. Greta Gerwig, Errol Morris, ASAP Ferg. The conversations are real and funny, and they take you somewhere unexpected. Find Bullseye with Jesse Thorne on NPR One or wherever you get your podcasts.